This is uh, awakening the pleasure body. So we're, uh, of course, uh, working with vitality and pleasure and aliveness in the body. And this month was all about sexual pleasure specifically. Pretty much any questions go. So I'm hello. Hello. I'm in month five, um, and so my question is about vibrators. Uh -huh. um, I felt like the first part of this month, I'm exploring the access points. I'm like brimming with this like beautiful sexual energy. I'm finding all these interesting things. Even when I'm not exploring, you know, I'll be sitting at my desk and I'll just feel like a wave of something go through me. And I'm like, huh, like thing, like noticing that energy flowing in a way that I never had before. And then maybe like halfway through the month that just kind of vanished and I felt like there wasn't that flow going on and it was much harder to kind of find anything happening even while exploring. So that's one component of that. Um, and then, you know, I hear, you hear so many types of things about vibrators, like, oh, don't start with that, or you're going to overstimulate, and then you're going to numb out, or you're going to, it's going to be the only thing that can get you there. Um, and I'm just curious, like, where, does, where should that fall into the framework of my experience, um, especially when I almost feel like it wasn't that I needed it to kind of break through that like numbness, but if I did go to that to break through that numbness, that it was like an overstimulation and I wasn't as aware of the subtleties of those things going on. So I think I'm just curious your thoughts on that entire experience. Yeah, that's a great question because it's a, it's a very important thing to consider, right? So I think the first thing that can always be said is that, mm, there's never a moment where pleasure is a bad thing. <laughs> so what I mean by that is um, it's, it's not wrong to use a vibrator, right? Uh, it's not wrong to explore that uh, section of pleasure. No. And um, as you so rightly say, sometimes that's a handy tool when you're not having that full access to your body and it takes a bit more to get you going so the important piece here though and the operative word is is a tool it's not the thing itself and so when we look at uh, toys in general and vibrators in specific uh, we're looking at them as uh, tools within a much greater context and so the entire pleasure body course is essentially all the things that make the body available and alive which is something you experienced right and yeah it goes away and we'll talk about why it goes away and what can happen and stuff like that but from that alive and brimming body um, you have a totally different access to a vibrator or not right and you have a total different access to subtlety or not so um, the tool of the vibrator has pros and cons. So I'll start with the pros. The pros are um, it can get you to a place of arousal that you might not be able to get to in your body at that particular moment or in your mind as well, right? Because there's a mind component to it, like a mind emotional component to it. Um, so that's a, an absolute pro. Also, because of the way vibrators are, are built these days and all the different things, you know, all the different bells and whistles, um, it can give us an access to uh, stuff that we maybe don't know how to do with our hands, you know, or, or something. My dogs are going absolutely, you know, bonkers. There's not much I can do about it, unfortunately. So um, those are the pros. And, and they, they are developed by professionals who have women's pleasure in mind specifically. And that's a good thing. You know? There's people who take in the time, test drove, so to speak, these things. So you have a um, high quality pro tool. Not every tool is good for every job. You don't need a hammer when you have a screw. <laughs> so to speak, and the other way around, you don't need you don't need a, you know a screwdriver when you have a nail, and so that's the thing to explore, and that brings us to the cons. One of the 
the cons that is often talked about is that the um, stimulation can be so intense that your body has to downregulate, uh, which is always the case. Like for instance, I mean, if you put a bra on, right, your body has to downregulate the uh, sensation in that area of the body, or you're just going to be forever irritated. Uh, and so the same happens with a vibrator. It can downregulate the subtlety of your perception because it's so strong. Now, um, it's not that hard to resensitize. You know, you just stop and you become more and more and more subtle. Then your body catches back up to the resensitization. So it's not like, oh, we have used the vibrator, you are doomed. You know, it's just that. If you use a vibrator and then you want to go super subtle, it's probably not going to do that much. And as you've probably all at some point uh, have noticed when you use a strong vibrator, if you're not really careful, like if your mind goes off somewhere and you just hold the thing, it's, it's not working, right? And you have to kind of amp it up and amp it up because the body is consistently downregulating. So when you know that, you can use it as the tool it is. So here's uh, reasons not to use a vibrator. <laughs> when you go into the more full-bodied, subtle, energetic aspects of pleasure, uh, a lot of them are not on the trodden paths that the vibrator accesses. So meaning, most people are pretty um, astute in clitoral stimulation. They know, right? They know how that goes with their hand and with a vibrator. And yeah, you can access some G-spot stuff that way, even externally, but it's, it's, a, it's a pathway that's well trodden. There's many, many other pathways, like um, you know, all the different spots internally and also the bigger uh, area that are not as well trodden and you want to um, exercise these avenues, so to speak. You want to, you know, hack away the overgrowth and define the path and find out how things go. And so within experimentation, having access to subtlety and also using different tools is really important because uh, if you have a screwdriver, all you can do is, so to speak, screw, pun intended, you know? So if you use something that doesn't vibrate, that will have to, you have to just find a different way. And that can be a bit boring to begin with because you might not have much access there to begin with. So in general, I would say for experimentation along different lines of uh, arousal, don't use the tool that's not for that. Uh, use other tools, so to speak, other access points. And then once you, once you have those pathways established, maybe try and see what happens when you use a vibrator with that or on that spot and then see what happens. Right? But first uh, learn the map, learn the landscape, uh, define it. Uh, the more the more subtle sensation you can train yourself to feel, the more available pleasure, of course, you have. Uh, because you don't only get the top twenty percent; you get the entire spectrum. So, thank you. That is so enlightening. Thank you. <laughs> the last thing I want to say about that, I talk about that in the book a bit. Um, I think I talk about it on the course too, or maybe not. Uh, one of the things that you can always work with is. You can even with a, with a vibrator or even with just with regular manual clitoral stimulation, just use your non-dominant hand and that will already give you a different access because the angle is different. These things are so precise in their application, so to speak, and the way the arousal pattern works that even if you just use the other hand, in my case, that's the left hand, it makes a total difference. So endless exploration. Oh, why the mid months did, did the aliveness go away? It happens. It can happen uh, hormonally. It can have to do with your cycle. Um, it can have to do, it has to do with stress levels, emotional stuff. Um, 
uh, it can also just happen that it comes in waves. So you have like huge uh, bodily aliveness and then it kind of subsides and then it comes back in a bigger wave even. So it happens. It's not a problem. Um, it's also uh, a good idea to see if you have maybe uh, stopped doing some of the things that brought that on. That's also, you know, uh, an option is that you've kind of leveled off on some of the explorations that cause that. That's also good to know. And, uh, but it's not concerning, really, um, I would say. Somebody saying, um, uh, do you have any recommendation as to where to purchase or order a wand? Um, yeah, so I, I actually have a, a wand I like uh, specifically, and um, I'll post it in here for you at the end of the call. When you're looking at a wand, there's a few things to consider. And so um, what that is, is uh, weight. So um, one of the things is there's, uh, there's very heavy ones and then there's very light ones. If you're not used to ones, you want to have a very light one, something that's very easy to navigate. So the one that I uh, prefer for my own practice as well as uh, recommend is Lucite. So it's not plastic. I found it, so I'll, I'll post it. It's not plastic. Uh, it doesn't leach, uh, you know, all the harmful stuff. It can't break. Um, it has uh, just the perfect kind of um, dimensions. And um, it's also fairly cheap. Um, oh, I have to, I sent this to somebody privately. Sorry, that was uh, meant for everyone. Here we go. Um, so uh, that's, it doesn't have to be that one. I just like that one uh, because I've used it for many, many years. And, and uh, it's this obscure company in San Diego. I think they've gotten a lot better. Uh, but in the beginning, it would be forever till you would get the thing and stuff. Now it's it's a lot better. So with with a wand, what you're looking for is maneuverability, um, right angles, anatomically right angles. And this particular wand has two sides. One is kind of for G-spot on the front part, and one is kind of more uh, cervical or uh, it can also be used for prostate and, and things like that. So it's a really, really great, easy easy to navigate wand. Um, I prefer a wand to just a regular dildo when we look at uh, exploring uh, G-spot and all the other internal spots because one of the main things when we look at full body pleasure and not just localized pleasure is that we have to really um, feel the front surface of the body relaxed and open and the pelvic floor relaxed and open. So the less weird maneuvers to get the wand where it needs to go, you have to do the better, yeah? because that's once again tension. And tension when we come to the internal and the subtle channels isn't that good, great. So the less tension uh, you can have, the better. And so the more um, easy to maneuver the wand and the less heavy, uh, the wand for that particular thing, the better, because it trains your body to stay open and relaxed and full, so. Let's see. So I, I've been practicing uh, for a few years already, and I feel that my body is already very sensitized, and I really like it. But there is one part that, like, I'm in a little bit of conflict, which is, like, casual sex, right? I'm not like a huge fan of casual sex, but like, especially in ovulation, it's like, you know? Uh, and like, I, I don't do it because, yeah, for some reason I think that it's not good. Um, but I have these wild fantasies, you know, that really feed me and, uh, and nurture me. But, but I'm like, oh, it, like, you know, I. Like, I, I don't want to wait all the time for people that are super connected to myself and in a deep alignment to, you know, to like, yeah, to like have uh, sex, right? Um, so I'm wondering if you have anything that I could practice when I am with someone that I'm not like 
emotionally connected that much. So I don't actually feel more pain after the um, sexual interaction. So let me just understand this. So you have, let's say, casual sex, whatever casual sex means for you, meaning you're not having a deep emotional investment or uh, mm -hmm. whatever, right? And so then afterwards, your body doesn't feel good or? No, I don't have, so I don't have casual sex because my body does, you know, doesn't feel that wants to engage in that sense because I like to engage emotionally. Yeah. But my primal animal really wants to have sex in my ovulation time, you know? Uh, like I, I don't pay attention, but I, you know, but it's like, I don't want to also waste all my years. Oh, and like, you know, so it's yeah. like, I, yeah, I yeah. don't do it. And then, yeah. But it's not like if you do do it, it's a horrible experience. It's just, you don't do it because it doesn't feel like that's something you want to do. Mm -hmm. Except mm -hmm. that when you ovulate, you do want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, uh, but essentially in the in during ovulation the body um creates a spike of testosterone and the reason the body creates a spike of testosterone is so that you're more likely to have sex because that's what the testosterone does right and furthermore and this is quite interesting right the more testosterone you have the less choosy you are in your choice of partner Mm. Right. So essentially the body goes, well, you know, we need to have more humans on this planet. We don't care whom you pick, just <laughs> fuck somebody. You know, here's a squirt of testosterone that makes you just go out and have sex. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah from a survival of the species uh, viewpoint, that's great. However, of course, um, if you ovulate, you have that squirt of testosterone, you jump the next guy, you have casual sex, and then you suddenly have a child with that guy on a practical and not evolutionary level, that's really not a good idea, you know. And of course, on a more emotional, psychological, spiritual level, yeah, combining yourself with people you don't really care about isn't that great, right? So there is a real conundrum because essentially your body goes, that's not the right kind of engagement for me, except I want it, right? Um, and so you have to consider for yourself what's more important, feeding the animal or doing the prudent thing that keeps your life rolling along uh, in, an, in a good way, right? That's unfortunately the choice there because there's nothing wrong with casual sex per se, if it doesn't cause you complications, right? So what I would consider complications of casual sex is certainly pregnancy, um, emotional entanglement with people you don't wanna be entangled with, uh, the feeling of, uh, you know, kind of yuck afterwards because it, it, it didn't really scratch the itch because it, did, it, had, it missed certain components, right? So, that's the from the worst to the mildest right or it was just boring that's the mildest probably so you have to always consider in the big picture of your life what's more important feeding the wild animal during ovulation or maintaining uh, a, a kind of integrity within your body and your life uh, with what you value right. mm -hmm. so that's that's the way to go now one way out of that theoretically would be to have uh let's say a go-to partner for such um uh engagements that's casual in the sense that you're not really having a relationship with that person but not casual in the in the sense that you know that they are okay and that they're somewhat decent but for a lot of women the moment somebody is okay and somewhat decent and you have sex with them, you do want more, you know, because your body opens, then your heart opens, and then you're fucked, essentially. Literally and figuratively. Because, because they might not feel like that. And, and because of the way, um, you know, 
uh, if you are into men and you have sex with men, you will find that men tend to not be burdened by the same uh, considerations around casual sex because they're essentially built for casual sex from a share your DNA with everybody in the in the valley kind of uh, viewpoint, you know? <laughs> evolutionarily speaking. Mm. Um, the more the more um, women and men could get pregnant, the better it was for the survival of his DNA. The better DNA a woman could get, the better it was for the survival of her you know, however many, you know, few children she could have. And the better quality men, as far as resources a woman could get, um, the better the chances of survival of those offspring. Mm. Because the uh, not very attractive, but very powerful and uh, uh, influential village chief uh, could support a lot more children than the incredibly gorgeous village idiot. Mm. Right. And so when you have casual sex with the village idiot, some part of your body knows that that's not the best choice. Mm. You know, yeah. And yeah, like casual sex with the village chief or somebody in that rank, your body's going to want more. Mm. Yeah. Like the tool that I'm using now is like locking myself at home. Uh, but. <laughs> It's, that's what I do in ovulation because it's, it's too much and you know, but yeah so I'm like oh maybe there's something that I can do uh yeah well, like I said the best you could possibly do is find a willing participant in your uh wild animal endeavors right that's uh, pre-vetted and safe and stuff like that but also on a, on a totally different note, right? If you know that you have those strong uprisings of, um, of wildness, you know, you could um, plan around uh, doing longer sexual practices for yourself that maybe um, have a little bit of a uh, engagement around calling in the kind of partner with whom you can have that who is a really good partner. So you could use your time of that wildness to really use your entire body to call something else in and imagine what it's like to call that in and feel that kind of a person, so to speak, mm -hmm. energetically penetrating you and opening yourself. So you use that time of extra receptiveness for mm -hmm. uh, a future good, so to speak. Mm -hmm. During That's that time. What I would, during that time, yeah. Because it is a fertile time not only as in conceiving a child, but fertile as in you could, you could call in someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, I'll try to do that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Hello. Okay, hi. Hi. And, and hello to everyone. Michaela, I have a, a question that I feel like I'm ready to explode to get the answer to this. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm in month five, I'm in sexual pleasure, and love the class. <clears throat> this has been an experience I've been having for many, many, many years. And that is, I can feel sexual arousal spontaneously, anytime throughout the day. And I've really looked at this as carefully as I can, thinking, is it specific thoughts I'm thinking? Is it something I'm doing? And there doesn't seem to be anything that I know of that triggers it. It just seems to happen of its own accord. And it feels like it's very deep inside the vagina. It doesn't feel clitoral. It might even be the cervix. I don't know for sure. And um, I'm not sure what to do about it. It doesn't feel like it's, oh, go sit down in self-pleasure and it doesn't feel like that. Um, I've tried moving it with the breath. I'm, you know, like lifting it up or something, and I'm not very good at that. Um, it can be incredibly pleasurable. It can also be very frustrating because it can sometimes feel like it's on that edge just before orgasm and there's no orgasm happening. And I just want to be clear, this is during the day, clothes on, I'm not thinking about sex or anything. So I would love to have some guidance from you on that. 
Well, first thing to be said is good for you. Right? <laughs> there is that component for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's uh, good for you. Um, that's, I don't know how to say that. If you look at bodies, right? And if you look at um, what we're built for, that's how your, our body should be functioning. And when I'm saying should, not in a, you should be feeling this, mm -hmm. but, but our bodies are built for aliveness and they're built for conducting life force and pleasure and, and uh, vitality. And so pleasure is, even sexual pleasure isn't just sexual pleasure, right? It's vitality, it's life force, it's a fullness of the body, it's a sensitivity to what's happening in the body. And that can happen at any time for no good reason other than your body feels good. And as part of your body feeling good, there's a sexual component because guess what? We were built to have sex. And why were we built to have sex? So we as a species would actually continue to, you know, exist. So there's reasons why we can feel pleasure. They come from evolution. It's not some random stuff, right? It's there because that's what makes it so people want to have sex and they want to have sex often enough so that they can reproduce. And, uh, and there's other aspects to sex, of course. I'm just talking purely survival of the species, right? And so, um, of course, when your body's open and alive and vital, your body's going to go, oh, ah you know let me fulfill my biological functions right and that's that and and that's the same you don't go i don't know i you know in the middle of the day i'm dressed and everything suddenly i get hungry <laughs> right or i don't know what to do about this ever so often i sit there and suddenly i have to pee <laughs> right so so it's, it's that normal to have arousal and aliveness and pleasure. And uh, a lot of people, are particularly, um, it has to do with maturing, right? It has to do with knowing your body and being less tense and inhibited and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily age, but it's mat sexual maturation. But a lot of people, once they've sexually matured, have full body arousal and full body orgasms spontaneously and uh, it is an interesting thing because what you're describing is definitely what a full body orgasm can feel like which is that it doesn't pop right it doesn't have that clitoral contraction expansion kind of a thing so it can be a bit irritating because you feel like it could go on and on and on and on right as as it happens but that's the nature of the full-bodied um, pleasure. And so, uh, like I said, really good for you, uh, an amazing thing to have available to you as uh, an enlivening feature. If it's frustrating, I wouldn't work with the breath because breath is fairly useless, uh, and, you know, unless you are in a specific practice situation, guided, and then it's fairly mm -hmm. useless because it actually corrals it versus just lets it bloom and expand. Uh, so what you want to do specifically is you want to spread the, um, the sensation outwards. And so one of the ways that you can do is, this is why I'm doing this, is like this, which is, by the way, something that happens spontaneously in orgasms often, right? So, but you can do it consciously. You kind of move your arms and you spread your fingertips and you feel like it's going all the way into the fingertips. And it's going down your legs all the way into the toes and it goes out the toes. And so your whole, the pleasure comes, you, your body is suspended by the pleasure is one way of saying it, or you are suspending the, or you, you're moving the pleasure through the entire body. So it's much better if you feel one of those moments where it's almost frustrating to just spread it and, and move it out. And, you know, enjoy it kind of as like an internal caress, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then it takes the attention away from the wanting to climax it and uh, puts it towards the kind of, you know, that like, I always feel it like as internally, you know, like how they have these, I don't know uh, where you live, but in LA, they have these Korean spas, they have these mitts that they scrub you with. 
within mm -hmm. an inch of your life. It's very unpleasant, but it can be very pleasant, right? Because these little scrubby thingies. And so I always feel that kind of full body pleasure, like a gentle scrubby massage from the inside. And when you start uh, playing with that, it's really enlivening and, and just very, um, oh, it's just good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciate what you're describing because the frustration has been that it's so localized. And I didn't have this movement that, that you're describing. So I think that's going to be helpful. And I, I will definitely report back to you. <laughs> Good. Last thing I want to say about that, because there's okay. always more, right? There's a joke between Steve and I that where I always go, there's more to be said about that. Uh, you know? <laughs> because uh, there is, but he always makes fun of me. He yeah. says, there's more to be well, said. I'm sure there is. And, and yeah. it's the subtleties too that I'm looking for. And that I'm. Yeah, it's the layer. There's many, many layers on it. And so, well, one thing that you did say that I want to say is that. Yes, often it is located from the cervix because the cervix is kind of like an energetic hub in the body. Yeah. It has the feeling of like a portal, right? Because it is that round thing that can have a pulse. And so what you can do is you can energetically locate your cervix. In Some people can actually feel the cervix very precisely. Some people don't even have a cervix and they can energetically feel it. So it doesn't matter if you have one or not. Um, there's an energetic kind of um, almost sphincter in that area that kind of can do this, you know, like, like opening yeah. and closing. An aperture is a little bit nicer than a sphincter. <laughs> so, you know, so the aperture opens and closes and you can feel that. And so when you feel that, you can also feel kind of that it's like a, I feel it in my body like a tube almost, like a hollow tube that goes from the from up here all the way down to the base of my body and then below. And so um, I can kind of move the energy up and down that that tube. Um, yeah. Cervix. So I'm not feeling the pulse, but I feel, this is not an exaggeration, I feel an almost continual energetic hum in, I believe, the cervix. Yeah, that is that is a that is a common report that the cervix has a hum. <laughs> okay, and, but it's almost. I mean, not it's not yeah. twenty four hours a day, but it's yeah. Hot. Yeah, that's very nice. So just enjoy it and practice this heart moving out. People people would pay a lot of money for that. So, <laughs> and some people some people make. Uh, their money by uh, promising that they can give you that hum. Yeah. Well, I think ways. Yeah, what you said today is going to be helpful to, to try to, to move past that point of frustration where it feels like, oh my God, I need to have an orgasm. But uh, this is what I want to learn exactly what you're talking about that spreading well, out. Well, you'll also be in luck because month six is all about increasing capacity where we talk about the relaxation around that and the movement around oh, Stuff. So, okay. So, right. uh, so you're that's that. There's more coming on that. Yay! And you're going to be doing a course on um, sexual practices coming up. Yeah, I will. Uh, the first, the next thing that's coming out is the elemental course, which is kind of like engagement with the elements, which dovetails both on the wild woman's and the pleasure course. It's kind of an it's uh, additional information that deepens everything and then I'll do a specific sexual course next. Um, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, thank you so much, Michaela. Because, because uh, you know, because I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> so there are blessings coming from COVID, yeah. Yes, yes, as long as I can uh, can uh, travel, there will be lots of new courses coming. Wonderful, okay, yeah. Yeah. deep thanks. Thank you. My question was about the move what you're feeling practice. Um, so as I've been doing it, um, I've, I've had some memories that have popped up in my head. And I know that your, your, your kind of rule is to keep on moving and allow not to freeze and allow the sensation to change. But I'm guessing I'm getting confused with what sensation I'm following because in one of the memories that came which I totally lost out of my memory bank was when I was about 14 
and this man visited our house. Anyway, so the, the memory pretty much, I'm on my hands and knees, I'm doing the movement practice, I'm looking at my breasts, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm being watched. So the feeling of being violated is now coming into my movement practice. So I'm like, okay, do I stick with the movement, the sensation of feeling sensual and sexual and enjoying my body, or now do I, I'm now having this imposed feeling of disgust and violation. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep going with it. Don't freeze and just trust that your body's releasing something that needs to be released. But I, I, after the practice finished, I was like, I kind of felt like that sticky feeling is now with me. So now when I look at my breasts, I'm like, oh, I have that feeling of violation that's kind of more strong than the feeling of sensual sensation. So um, I, I guess I got confused with, do I, what, you know, how far do you go with, with not re-traumatizing yourself by allowing the feeling to be felt and expressed and released and then just, um, remembering feelings that are kind of hidden in the body that may be true, might not be true. You know, a 14 year old's discovering her sexuality. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but there's some feet, sensations that are coming up that I now don't know what to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good yeah. question. And um, the answer is you want to move with whatever you're feeling. So if you start feeling disgust or violation, move as disgust and violation till that passes and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens so uh, when you bring yourself back the, the the moving what you're feeling um isn't per se sensual it is whatever you're feeling and steve my teaching partner um often talks about that uh, intimacy has no informed consent, meaning when you become intimate with the sensations of your body in this case, they are not necessarily good, right? There's all kinds of stuff. There's, there's that, that's a memory, right? So, and that can happen because the body releases. It's actually really good because it means it's popping up and out. You have to imagine it like little champagne bubbles, right? And as it comes up through the liquid, so to speak, you'll feel it and then it pops on the surface and then it's gone and then the next thing happens and the next thing happens. So the best way to go is to not force um, yourself to go back to the essential thing, but to you know, do all of that till that passes. And then more likely than not, the essential or the empowerment comes back. Right? Or maybe then you have a moment of real anger, right? And then that happens and then the next thing happens. So you're moving with whatever you're feeling, whatever that is. And often these memories are so fleeting that if you just go with it and don't, you know, kind of grip onto them, it goes so fast, you don't, you know, it doesn't get stuck on you. Oops. So the feeling, the feeling of it being stuck, because I didn't really know what to do. I just went with the feeling of just, just maintain the feeling of sensuality and with this kind of disgust in the background. Yeah, you um, want to do that because that trains your body to override warning signals. Right. So right. I should, should go into the disgust and the, and yeah. Oh. So, so now next time you practice, Whatever sticky feeling you have, if it's there when you practice, just allow that, ex examine that, so to speak. Move as that, you know. And then don't force your body to be sensual when it, ha it says, no, I, you know, something happened here. Because, of course, it's past and it can just move through unless you go, no, we're not moving through. Right. Right. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, but this is a common thing that happens and then you just clean it up, so to speak, uh, you know, in the next session, if there's still residue and then mm -hmm. you'll see something, probably there's something else underneath there. That's quite interesting. And then, then natural sensuality will occur again because it can free of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good Thank question. you. Thank you. Three, four weeks ago, I had this feeling I want to reclaim my body. I've been ill so much and stuff like that. And one of the things I did was more yoga to loosen up my, my hips. So I've had a lot of 
headaches and shoulder aches and and some of I can't when I locked down today I was like oh I'm so stiff in my lower back does it also is it also because of the erotic thing it's like like I'm wondering some part of the day I can be all like just pleasure in the body and everything feels delightful and then and the pain shoots up again is it your tailbone or what is it I think no it's in the lower back it's not it's the muscles it's all the ligaments I, I think and, and I had different injuries in that area and some of it was from a partner being violent where I got a push on the on the what's called pelvis uh, another thing is from a, a car accident many years ago. So there's a lot of physical thing. There's also a reason. Why does it come out the same month as they do the erotic thing? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there is a few very specific anatomical technical things that you can consider. Mm. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm no. not anatomy uh, super savvy so the way I'm gonna say it is probably gonna make a chiropractor or osteopath cringe but there is certain ligaments that go directly from the uterus to the to the tailbone back there to the uh, yeah. tailbone and and uh, sacral yeah I've had one of them squeeze between the tailbone and the yeah. Yes. So on a very technical level, sometimes when we have strong uh, periods, right, and there's a lot of contraction, it can throw your sacrum out mm. and give you quite severe back pain. And the same can also, of course, happen within orgasms and pleasure. So there could be just a very technical thing where you need to have your pelvis adjusted by a good osteopath, mm. uh, which can happen and it can, if there's already something a bit off, that little bit of extra engagement with the area, could very well just tighten you up a bit. So that's one thing to consider. Another thing to consider is, of course, when you do sit a lot, uh, those muscles do tighten and or atrophy, and then it will be a bit painful before it opens up. And yoga is great for that, absolutely. Also just like, um, you know, doing that restorative pose where you essentially let your knees yeah, how to show you that you know if this is the knee, this is your leg, you know, so you just let it fall open like this, and you put bolsters under wherever it's open but not too open. You put bolsters underneath there, so and then let yourself lay there and relax so that your hips can very very gently open. Stuff like that does help, and of course when we engage with an area that's typically for most of us fraught with some, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be super traumatic, but there's stuff there. There's always stuff there. Nobody's had an entirely always positive, never any drama or trouble in the sexual domain kind of situation. And it's not just, you don't have to be physically violated or anything, but just having had emotional things around a certain partner or whatever, yeah, it can, it can make you grip. And actually, as a matter of fact, somebody who's not on the call um, emailed in saying, um, I, I like sex and I enjoy sex, but I don't like the moment of penetration. Uh, and I don't know what to do about it. It makes me flinch and I don't want to really go there. Once I get going, it's all fine. That's another one of those things, right? It's a tightening and it's a bracing against that's from a past, um, you know, past situation or a, a relationship to that past situation, right? Your personal relationship. So it's good to hold it very lightly and be very uh, kind to your body as you are anyway. And, but also understand that these things um, come and go and you don't have to, you know, stop till it, you know, it loosened up again. You just work with it and you feel what comes up as you work with it. Yeah, I've got the feeling to, that is related to psoas and to just, so I, I just try to breathe a lot, like the sl very slow out breath when I do the exercise to see if I can calm the system. Yeah, that's, a, the psoas is certainly, you know, a kind of grip, uh, grip, fight or flight kind of a situation often. So yeah, you just work with that, you relax, you wiggle. You know, you wiggle your fingers, you wiggle your toes, you move your hips, and 
you just move along and that usually is the best way to to yeah. go with that yeah all right thank you just want to say a few things to the person who uh emailed in talking about the penetration so the way that goes with the penetration this is an interesting thing it's not exactly something that i work with a lot or talk with a lot uh, talk about a lot simply because it's it's very specifically something that's worked with in the jade egg practice but i want to say that here um there is a the, the body opens right there's a bodily opening to penetration and you can get very sensitive to that moment where your body actually goes yes and of course if you uh, get penetrated before the yes your body isn't going to be as available to that penetration now some people enjoy that specifically because they like that thing of being taken somewhere you know where they're not yet and they have that particular thing but that's not true for anybody who's uh, had a negative experience right um, it's it's important to feel when you have that yes and wait till that yes happens and um, for that though you have to be sensitive to when the body goes no and yes and, and as you get sensitive to that you'll feel there's a very specific moment where everything in you including those particular rings vaginally that that clench down go yeah you know yes 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 please right like that kind of a feeling of come on <laughs> you know so from very subtle to very very loud come on um so you can play with that uh by yourself and then become aware of that also in the sexual occasion and kind of hang out with your partner in the uh, foreplay domain till you have that yes and um, and that's very useful to to explore um, so that because then the then penetration actually at that particular moment has a totally different quality when there's a yes there so it can't be a mental yes you have to feel it in the body and so the reason i'm saying uh I don't talk about about that so much, but in Jade practice, that is a part, and not everybody does it. Some people uh, talk about that. Um, uh, is is that you, with the egg, you can really feel that very very specifically, you know, and you kind of don't, and you can do it with a with a um, wand as well. You don't enter till you feel it, and then you become more and more sensitized to that. So uh, we are talking briefly uh, the other uh, a couple moments about waiting till the body opens, mm -hmm. but then after um, I find sometimes for myself my body opens during orgasm, and then it closes again. Yes. And then that seems to be the time when we then have intercourse because this kind of I don't know seems to be a rhythm that we have going on. But does that mean then I need to wait again another? For potentially 40 minutes to then open up again or just stop the orgasm, the first orgasm? No, I wouldn't do, I would certainly never stop an orgasm. No reason to ever do that. Um, what I'm talking about is mostly for people who have trauma around penetration, right? Mm -hmm. So, which, uh, I do? which you do? Yeah. Okay, well, in that case, uh, I would probably have your partner enter you as you orgasm. Oh, that could be hard, but that could, we yeah. could try that. <laughs> well, if that's hard, then, then the other option would be, I don't know how good he is at that, is to enter and go super, super slow. Yeah, right. And, yeah. you know, like, or, or enter, or enter as the, before orgasm, you know, I don't know your, how, how, how your rhythms are around that. Uh, just experiment with when would be a time that feels really receptive. But uh, the closing doesn't necessarily mean you're close to penetration. It's just that uh, that often happens, right? You have that opening and then it has to close. And then what you would go for is just the first moment when the opening begins. Doesn't have to okay. be all the way open. Okay. But just wait long enough so that the the close is complete after the first orgasm after the first orgasm yeah 
Right. Right. So one of the ways you could do that, once again, you need to figure out how to do that. But if you have had an orgasm and you need a moment, but your partner now has given you an orgasm and is really aroused and wants to get on with it, you could do something specifically for your partner that gives your body a moment longer so that it's not rushing along, right? Oral sex, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sexual touch that, that doesn't push your partner over the edge, but kind of expands their, you know, their, their openness as well. Because someone had, I think, I don't know where I read it or a friend said, like, if you kind of push through the, after your forced orgasm, if you can push through the discomfort of that, then you, you can enter into multiple orgasms, which I haven't been able to do. But I'm wondering if that is not great information. Well, I, I, I personally don't think pushing ever helps when you have trauma in the body because you're essentially re-traumatizing or re-violating a no, right? So uh, essentially to say to your partner, my body says no, but no, never mind, let's just push through that, is yeah. uh, putting both of you in a bit of a weird situation, right? So... I would always say the opposite, uh, which is relax, relax, relax. Don't push at all. Right? Just relax your body, relax your throat, particularly this area here. If you can relax this area and then, you know, and, and, and just and lean back and give your body a moment. And uh, now, I don't know how you feel about oral sex, right? I'm assuming, I don't know if you're with a man or a woman, but if you happen to be with a man, um, oral sex actually opens this area, right? And you could actually um, play with openness of your lower body by working with this area here. Yeah, and there's a lot there. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot, uh, the, the throat and the cervix are, are directly connected, for instance, right? They're the same, they have the same kind of a sphincter, so to speak, um, energetic sphincter. And so uh, you can really uh, just, you know, take a moment after your own orgasm and maybe open your body and relax your body by maybe engaging with your throat and your partner's genitals and like just slow it down till you are ready. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing never a good idea. No, that doesn't make sense. No. no. <laughs> Now, you know, things are very different if you have zero trauma around those things. Then, like I was saying, some people enjoy the act of kind of being open because they don't have negative connotations around that. Now, there's also people that enjoy that, that have very negative connotations about that and enjoy being re-traumatized. That's also not a good thing, right? But some people, it becomes their kink, so to speak. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the healthiest application of sex. But if you have something that makes you go, ah, don't push through that. Yeah. Relaxation, 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 relaxation.